0: and All to Fearless in Devotion with Reese, Tim, Liam and Andy. We are, of course, sponsored by the Fatball um, Bar and Restaurant, um, which uh, has got everything for your culinary uh, desires. Uh, but it's another big win for Wrexham this week. Tim, what would you make of the game?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was probably our most complete 90-minute performance of the season, I'd say. Um, really good goals, 1-11, to 11. Really, really good. Um, Howard had a really good game. All the way through, really. McFadden, decent. So, yeah, can't have any real complaints. Um, Could have been more, maybe. But, yeah, overall, delighted with it. Really, really good stuff.
0: Yeah, Liam, you were there as well. Um, Is it, it, you know, I was at the uh, Blythe Spartans game a couple of weeks ago. You know, I haven't been to as many games, as I've mentioned before, this season as I would have liked to. But every game I've been to, I've been impressed with James Jones. I feel like he goes under the radar, but does a lot of that donkey work in midfield. What did you make of of him and and the performance more generally?
1: I think someone made the the point the the other week that our midfield works best when it's got Jones, Young and Davis is probably the combination which works best together. And I think that's proven time and time again. Um, I think Jones was was rewarded for a decent performance with that really nice one-touch football and his finish was really nice into the bottom corner. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think he clearly he clearly gives something in that. The midfield works at his best when he's in there. Um, overall, the performance was really good, though. The Mulling goal was superb, overhead kick. Haven't seen one of them since... I think it was Nt- Tumba Masanka is his name. I forget. Um Scored one at the race course, so we were well overdue. An overhead kick, uh, all in all, just very comfortable for Tunnicliff. Looks nice and solid at the back. Tozer looks better when Tunnicliff's on the pitch, so maybe that's a, a decent sign. So, yeah, happy days.
0: Uh, yeah, an overhead kick for Paul Mullin. superb. And what can't Paul Mullin do, Andy? That is the question.
2: Well, well, you can't wear uh, some boots for Tories, He certainly can't do that. Um, all right, before we get on to that, because we'll probably have to talk about that, um, a couple of things. Liam's definitely right with Tunnicliffe. I mean, we all know that Clueworth's going to be class, but Tunnicliffe at the moment, um, I think he's just had got that little bit of experience and has come in at the right time to really steady us at the back. Um, when it comes to regards to Tozer, you know, Tozer is leading Clueworth through uh, his formative career. So maybe with that pressure off, Toza can actually can actually concentrate in his own game and maybe the whole sort of backline plus the keeper is benefiting from that. Um, when it comes regards to James Jones, I think you always need a scapegoat in the middle of midfield and I think Wrexham fans have always had had theirs through 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 the years. You know, the, the sort of pe- people are like, oh, his, his passing's not good enough or what do you do? You know, all the way back to Paul Barrett, you had the same sort of thing, didn't you? But those players are important because their energy Brings everything together, so. I couldn't agree you know, and I think yeah. he's
0: actually—I think he's actually our most consistent and best midfield player. There, I said it.
2: Wow, I mean that is that you're you going out on a limb here, especially from watching a second half against Blyth Spartans. But I watched okay. both
0: halves. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, he's he he does he does remind me of like a, a Paul Barrett sort of player. I mean, if anyone can remember Paul Barrett's twenty years ago, but. He is he is a he's a better player than Paul Barrett. He does he he he's got better touch and better technique than than Paul Barrett.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And Andy, you did you get
2: out with a t-shirt. Better technique than Paul Barrett. I could. he will fly I? off the shelf. James Jones in the front,
0: better <laughs> than Paul Barrett in the back. Love it. Um, you mentioned it there, Andy. Uh, Wrexham were all over the headlines this week. Um, not for reasons I think that
2: anyone at the club would have wanted. Um, what, what what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean they didn't need to be all over the headlines, really, I thought. Um, so you know, I work in a newsroom and I saw the Mullin story and I thought it was a good story. And, you know, the fact that the the fellas put, put this on, on his boots, you know, it it's quite an incendiary thing to do. But, you know, it does sort of link in the fact that he's 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 working class, he sort of gets gets the fans, he gets he gets a bit political sometimes, and I don't see there's anything wrong with that. Now I did sort of think when I saw them, there's no way the club are going to let you wear them. But that—that's by the by, you know. Fair enough. What you, the club needed to do, I thought, was just have a quiet word with him, saying, "Look, you can't wear those. These are the reasons why. There's an FA. There's an FA sort of ruling that you can't wear stuff with with political slogans. So you know that's where it, that's where we are with that. You know, he doesn't wear them for the game. People might ask why he didn't wear them, but he doesn't. And this sort of this sort of goes. Fades to the background. Now, putting out the statement they did the next day fueled the fire because my newsroom and the Mirror's newsroom had forgotten about this story. But once you put out a, a full, lengthy statement like that, you legitimise it. You say to the BBC, to the to you know the Mail, to Sky Sports, to the BBC, you know to BBC Wales, this is a story now. You can now report this because there is a club denial on it where maybe they wouldn't have before. So it gave the story fresh impetus. I didn't think it needed it. Okay, some people say, well, you know, on a, you've got to put a statement out. Well, you could have replied to people who are asking with a statement saying, look, this is our standpoint on this. We, we, we you know, we respect everyone's right to have their own opinions on this, but, you know, we, we can't let him wear those boots. And it could be the FA, it could be something else. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be such a long and quite, I think it was a statement, to be honest, Reese, that, that, that didn't serve many people because it alienated the fans, it alienated Mullin. And because the likes of Ryan Reynolds had liked the Mullin post, it sort of came back on them as well a little bit. I don't know what you think. Maybe you mentioned there about the length of the statement. Is there,
0: uh, maybe there's a future for me in PR. But my gut instinct when I thought was they need to say something, but could they not have just said, uh, we've asked Paul Mullin to remove the photo because we don't, we uh, didn't give him permission to take it at the race course. He's not won't be allowed to wear them because we as a club remain politically neutral. Full stop. No more comments. Uh, but yeah, interesting. What did you make of it, Liam?
1: Uh, I was a bit more worried about us upsetting Paul Mullin than uh, upsetting the Tories, to be honest. But uh, that's probably no surprise coming from me. Um, I think what you both said is right, though. I think it comes down to the, the length of the statement for me and the level of detail it went into, which it didn't need to. What would have knocked it on its head is just a short couple of lines explaining the situation, deal with it in-house, don't piss off the star striker, um, and just let the news cycle get over it, quite frankly. Because uh, Andy says, you know, they, they move very fast these days. So, as it was, I don't think... There was a few big outlets that had the story, but there weren't that many running with it. And then, literally, I've got a search set up for... Um, wrecks them on my Twitter and that's all that was filling it. So I don't think the club helped themselves whatsoever. And I also noticed, interestingly, that someone was selling T-shirts yesterday outside the ground with a picture of Mullins' boots on them and the number 10 on the back.
0: Do you understand that the club has got to be careful? They are currently courting the government for what they hope to be levelling up funding. Uh, They're dealing with members of the Conservative Party to try and do that. Uh, You could imagine that someone like... I don't know, Sean Harvey, for example, might be doing a lot of the legwork with that. And this is incredibly frustrating for him. And yeah, the I can, CEO.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I I do get that. I, I I completely do. You know, they're getting quite close to, to to the decisions on this leveling up now. And something like that isn't gonna help the cause. But at the end of the day, it's all all that the club needed to to let the Tory party or the decisions makers know is look, this isn't this this isn't we haven't sanctioned this. And they could they've done that by making firstly by making Paul take the take the picture down and secondly by, by not letting him wear the boots. So it, it sort of is read that, you know, then they're not condoning this. Storm in a teacup in it, simple as that.
1: Um storm in a teacup um, and the fire was, was fueled by that. Um over over lengthy statement. So I don't give a shit
0: he's got his boots as long as he keeps scoring. And we're joined uh, now for uh, yet another perspective on Welcome to Wrexham, the uh, series on Disney Plus and FX in the States, which has, of course, had a massive impact on Wrexham's following all over the world. Uh, And one of our new followers is Tom, who you heard a few weeks ago um, in our podcast. Uh, Tom, welcome back to the podcast. How are you?
3: Good. Great. Glad to be here.
0: Great. Well, we had your um, opinion... Uh, and your thoughts after the first few episodes, uh, and you're fully up to date now, I think, aren't you? You watched this, the whole season. Yep. What did you What did you make of it? General General overall thoughts.
3: I mean, I guess like my first thought was it was awesome, and I can't wait for the second one. I think one of the things that we had kind of like grappled with was, or at least I grappled with, was like, at what point do I want to actually start to follow Wrexham, the football team, versus the show? And like, so because the show's behind the real, you know, the, the team. So I just decided, like, I'm going to finish the season and then I'm going to start getting involved in, in, in real time Rexum.
2: So um, are you in real time now then?
3: No, starting today. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave here, and I'm, I'm going to just like start reading the blog. So I'm going to catch up on all the pods. You
2: absolute glory hunter, Tom. We were we were, we went out five four to Grimsby last season. Here you come in, swanning in after a four 0 victory, Altrincham. Six games. What is it? Nineteen or six wins in a row at home, and you just <laughs> come in and go right. I'm a Wrexham fan now. I wish it was that easy for me, mate. I've gone through thirty years. I'm well, getting my balls kicked.
3: For the record I'm like I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan, so so I do feel some of that pain. Yeah,
0: That's okay. getting yeah, a kindred spirit. Well yeah, well <laughs> I suppose let's start from the your most recent experience. What what did you make of that last episode with the with the last minute defeat to Grimsby?
3: I mean, it was heartbreaking obviously, I think um it but I think it also like uh it's good that it's real, like in some way, like it is heartbreaking and it sucks because you obviously want that that like orgasmic finish, um, and you're like in some ways expecting it, I think, but like also it's real life and it makes you I think more intrigued about the next season.
0: Well, I think I said I said at the time actually I think that you know from a. You've got to be looking at this, if you're the executive director of the documentary, you've got to be thinking in your head, well, the absolutely dream scenario, if I could pick it, would be for Wrexham to tragically fail in the first season and then to get promotion in the second season, because it's the natural arc, isn't it? Yeah. You don't want it to be perfect from the start. Um, but, you know, in terms of the 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 series, what were your sort of it was quite different to lots of other ones we've seen, you know, in terms of sports documentaries, you've got the all or nothing ones, which are very kind of dressing room heavy, lots of sort of back training stuff and interesting stuff. If you're a football fan. Um, and then this one, I felt like very different. It was quite sort of um, quirky in lots of ways. And it was almost a comedy. Some episodes were, were, were essentially comedies, weren't they? I mean, what stood out for you? What's what impression did you have of it in terms of as a program?
3: I think the one note I made before i before I came on was like it was trying to think about it kind of like what you're saying, and I think it's that uh so the town of Wrexham obviously seems awesome, like a lot of like small cities I think often have like so much character, and the people feel a lot more real and more like probably we all feel and I think getting to see all of those people and even the even the footballers themselves, I think not being like god's gift to athletes and things that you're watching it it all makes it feel real and i think what i really liked the most about it and i think this is partly the story but partly how good the production was and the editing and i and just everything was that just like we're so surrounded by shit all the time um just like fucking constantly bombarded by bad news and it makes like these real stories that feel almost accessible to us just like that much more powerful because like we just like i feel like we all need some kind of hope and getting to follow people doing awesome shit in a town like coming up um yeah i don't know it's just amazing and they did like a perfect job pretty much of just like capturing all of that um i mean i'm sure it's not like obviously it's still a documentary and it's still edited and so it's way more real in real life but like just they did the the narrative was was impeccable i mean i got emotional like almost every episode towards the end
0: oh well i'm sure the documentary uh, makers will be delighted listening to that um you know uh do you have any standout characters or standout players i mean do you have a favorite player I, 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 you know you see lots of americans on Twitter at the moment with uh, uh sort of going on about paul mullen
3: uh yeah, Mullen was cool. I really like Rob Layton. I'm looking for like, his comeback next season, I'm hoping. Is that happening? Is he ba- he, wait, so are, is the season going now? Is the new yeah, we well, don't season. want to
0: spoil it for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going. Well, if you want to catch up from today, we're like, what are we? About 15 games in? Around about yeah. that? Uh, and we're doing really well. We're not top, but we're second and we're playing well. We've got a better start than last season. And Rob Layton is nearly back. So he's 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 back in full training now. So he's ready to go.
3: How's all is Dibble still is Dibble still backing him up?
0: Unfortunately, That oh. is as a spoiler here, bad news. Uh, Dib's oh. Dib, had an injury in pre-season, and he's uh, was it pre-season? Or was it the first? Yeah, it was pre-season. Wasn't it? Was
3: it pre-season? Yeah.
0: And he um yeah he had a nasty knee injury, so he's out for pretty much the season. We think. Oh
3: wow! So it's deep we, deep down the depth chart now.
0: We got we got we signed a new keeper. Who oh, okay. I think is good, but no one else on this podcast seems to think so. So, oh, I mean,
2: that's a bit strong. I just said he had retractable arms. That's all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, well, what about the what about the characters in the town? You you mentioned that you know, as you say, you really like the fact that it's the the town on the app, but it's a uplifting story like that. I mean, w- were there were there any moments that stood out for you, or or any sort of characters, any people?
3: Um. Well, I'm. I'm. Wayne's not here. I'm. I'm. I'm upset about that because I thought you know he's pretty. He's so famous now.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's um, just, uh, appearance I, I, fee, mate. He wanted an appearance yeah. fee, fifty grand.
3: Oh, um, yeah. I know. I want my signed Wayne jersey that he promised from last time. <laughs> uh, what was the guy's name that was fighting cancer the whole time?
2: Uh, yeah, Michael Hett.
3: Scooter. Michael Hett. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That was a really. Kind of awesome story, and and the the band and all of that shit was amazing.
0: Did you see the video um, from last weekend when Rob McElhenney popped into the uh, into the turf and they sang him um, uh, Scoot's song, well the, the band song, uh, and he and he started
3: crying. No, I've had I've, I've literally been on like a wrexum I've had to like cut myself off of Rexum <laughs> social media so that I don't so that I haven't don't spoil anything until until yeah, now. Man.
0: Well, it's, it's worth a watch if you get a chance. Um, yeah, it's really good.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tom, a couple of things, mate. So it was a mismatch of styles, wasn't it? It wasn't just sort of one thing. They, they did they did try different stuff out. Now, a couple of things they did, they did sort of standalone episodes that didn't really take the season <laughs> on, but right. were just, yeah, were just. Were, I think they were more for an American audience. So the three that were the really... I can remember is one that introduced you to Wales. Now, obviously, you know a bit about Wales, but uh, there was another one about hooliganism, and then there was another one at the end about sort of camaraderie or brotherhood and sort of fatherhood and how that sort of affects a, a football match. I just wonder, wondered what you thought of those those sort of standalone episodes.
3: It's I well I hadn't thought about it as being for the American audience. I will, like I'm curious, like, mm. yeah, I, I think. Well, the first one where they did like the talk show um yeah that that was the whale that was the introduction to whales Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a little bit corny um yeah but i mean it was cool they pulled it off i think but i think without ryan and rob and like the high production value it probably wouldn't have worked out um no but i think that yeah it does feel a little out of place like now that i'm thinking about it the the fatherhood one I didn't even think about like that, I guess, but I totally get the hooliganism one. Yeah, that one was interesting. I hadn't thought about it until you until you mentioned it. Um Hooligan hooliganism is, is a bit
2: strange because it's not something you really get in America, is it? You don't have this sort of the sort of organized fighting, very territorial. Um because sp- I, I don't even know American sports, would you go away a lot? Say you're a Cubs fan, would you travel Away to Arizona and, and watch the team. And would there be a lot of you? And would there be any aggro?
3: The only sporting events I feel like that really travel like that are college football mainly. Like mm-hmm. when I was in college, I went to Virginia Tech and like the, the team in Louisiana, which is like a 14 hour drive, like 20,000 fans or something, or 10,000 right. fans drive up 14 hours and pick up trucks and like drive up and down the streets honking all night before the game and just like raising mm-hmm. hell. No, I mean, like bar fights maybe occasionally but not not anything on the level of like european football which is yeah so i guess i get that because i feel like americans like that's so foreign to like our sporting world that yeah we probably like yeah we don't really understand that it seems really insane to us probably for the most part um hmm yeah,
0: yeah I mean
3: those sorts of shootings, and not and not bar fights. So it's like, and somehow we would think that the, the football fights are like in, are are more insane. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. If we did sort of take guns away to Scunthorpe away, I think I think football would uh, <laughs> would, would would close in this country. Um, I think for us, those sort of standalone episodes were, yeah, I, I agree with you. A little bit corny in some ways, and I, you know, we we were sort of talking amongst ourselves. Did we really need that hooligan e- episode? I mean, for us, it's not something that we dwell on too much, but I can understand how it could be quite interesting to to a global audience. Um, Liam, what do you think? We, we had a sort of like a, a chat about this hooligan episode and whether it was needed or not.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's probably because it's not really a side of football that I'm involved with. I don't really like it for me. I think it was just the, the amount of footage I wondered, you know, to the, to the viewer who isn't from Raxham, you know, did they know where... All those ver- all the various footage was from because there was quite a lot from abroad and in fact I think was there was there any Wrexham sort of hooligan footage in Not there? Not actual fighting.
2: Really? There was a lot of there was a lot of people sort of crowded round, but there wasn't any sort of punches exchanged. I think they had to go to the stock for, for that, with, hmm. be it an England game or or some sort of European games. Yeah. So you know I I understand that they wanted to sort of rev it up a little bit, but they couldn't do that with existing Wrexham footage.
1: Yeah, I just wondered Tom what you what your thoughts were on from watching that episode in particular. I know it's probably around mid season, wasn't it? I think. Um, but just if you can recall, you know, did you did it make you think, oh, if I go to a Wrexham game, you know, I might see quite a lot of um quite a lot of issues?
3: No, I didn't no, I don't think I thought that, although maybe I should have, but <laughs> I no, I didn't But I've never been to an actual European football soccer game or football game. So I don't know. Like, are you guaranteed to see it like multiple fights at every game?
0: No, it's It's not at all.
3: It's like, right. Um, So I I think I had known enough to know that it's not like, you know, I'm going to be in danger of getting a fight if I go to a game. Um, Mm. So I guess that is kind of weird that yeah i don't know it, it does feel a little strange and i can i can't i like there's no world i can imagine where it's like helpful to people that watch football all the time and just like understand the culture a lot better than americans um,
2: yeah i do sort of think that the the, the doc while you know while it'd be wildly successful for for the town and for the fans and the club it, it did divide a little bit because i think people in uk saw it as quite simplistic and saw it not as, you know, not as well as you, you U.S. guys would have. I think, I think you, you just sort of ask, why did it work so well in the U.S.? And I think one thing they did very well was get across the fact that, you know, in your sports, apart from college, everyone's a millionaire. Everyone's intouchable. You don't go near these people. You know, right. they, they exist on a different plane. But in British sports, and especially in football, even though this team is five leagues down and plays in front of quite a big crowd, he's a normal bloke. You know he's there fixing his his bathroom right. like 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 anyone else you know he's he's he deals with the same the same shit that we do and I wonder if it was quite successful in the u s because it gave them a different view of our sport that you know it's not everyone in a in a palace like like you guys it's it's a it's a little bit more real really
3: yeah I think absolutely I think that like that's yeah people like that's what I was saying is I think people they they need that and they they I think we do probably want that from our sports and it's impossible to get um but yeah also just like being able to have heroes that feel like they could be you um, yeah you can touch them
2: right they don't yeah. like it but you can touch them
3: <laughs> I can't wait to come to Rexham. I'm going to touch so many football players
2: <laughs> don't go near the women's team please uh but apart from that it's fine uh I think yeah, that that sort of leads us on to sort of my last question, which is the legacy of this. Now, uh, you know, you've you've you got quite quite hooked on it. I don't know if any of your your pals did. I don't know if it's something that's discussed around. I don't know the water cooler. But I think for us, it it, it seems to be opening up a whole different fan base. And now these people are coming across. There was a few at the game on Saturday. There was a few on the at the game. That, like the week before and it, that's lovely for us to see and I think they're all being quite welcomed there but I just sort of what you sort of think overall from like just like American social media or whatever do you do you think it's sort of tapped into a, a vein at all
3: yeah absolutely um it's funny like Justin who was on with me last time I mean we're both <laughs> super lazy and I I binge watched it like a week and a half a week ago a week and a half ago he hasn't caught up yet but we have another friend we played basketball with who has watched the whole thing and was like had talked to Justin about it was like oh I got to talk to Tommy about Rexham. I need someone to talk to about it um so like I definitely think that there's a lot of people out there that are watching it and you know it's weird like there's so much tv now I think that everyone has so many choices so in some ways you don't always even connect with the people but I think yeah I mean and I see it it's in my feed like there'll be articles on my feed i'm constantly trying to not look at them um and yeah i think it's gonna it's gonna continue to go and i'm definitely gonna come to a game i can't wait
1: now you should should. i think that's the thing that surprised me the most is how much it's actually encouraged people from overseas to actively engage with the club um i was selling the fan fan magazine that we we write the fearless in devotion one on Tuesday night and um, there was a Ryan Reynolds blimp at the game to mark his birthday um, and two US, two guys from the States walked past and I took a picture of them next to it and afterwards I was thinking this is really bonkers <laughs> it's like I've got used to seeing Robin Ryan at games now but actually seeing fans, you know, people who've travelled so far, um, yeah I gave them a fanzine for free just because I was so amazed so...
2: Yeah, yeah I'm you- a bit annoyed at that, I mean that is, that cost us that's costing us money. You need to take that through the through the group before you give away free fanzines to Americans. If they paid all that money to, to yeah. get across here, Liam, they could afforded a bloody fanzine. It was only five quid <laughs> for two. You
3: should sell for twenty-five to Americans because you know that we need those souvenirs.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're in short supply of uh of shirts, jerseys at the minute. <laughs> so they've been going for a lot on eBay. I mean, is that something that you would you know, think of doing buy a bit of merch, something like that.
3: Me? Yeah. Yeah. I would, not enough as it is. I'd get. I definitely want a jersey. If I come, I'm gonna get a jersey for sure. Somehow, might have to become a hooligan to get one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they they don't tend to wear them actually. They they are they sort of pride themselves on the fact that they don't wear mm. team colors. They tend to wear sort of I don't know how you'd call it like trendy clothing, that type of thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite interesting expensive
2: that, that doesn't look that expensive I think is the best way to put it um, <laughs> and that will get me beaten up by the Hoolie element uh, so I Andy think will be it.
1: selling on what day and you can all go and beat uh, him up yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so just finally from us Tommy I mean could you I think you've sort of suggested it but could you see yourself going over there taking in a game having a pint in the turf beforehand is that something that's now on
3: your sort of wish list yeah absolutely for sure great i mean i I will say knowing you andy though that that also adds like an additional like reason for me to come hang out and and talk shit so like i feel like i have like you know a little more than most americans but i i think that so for me it's gonna be it would be awesome just to like hang out but i think if i would have just randomly started watching this show i would have become a fan i would have wanted to go to a game um so yeah. Well, there clear. could be
2: a chance that they they come across, you know. I think they definitely wanted to do it before last preseason. Uh and it might be if you know, it might be next preseason, which will be around July, August. Uh, oh, they, they might, to- might, Yeah, they might come across and Philadelphia will be their uh their base, I should imagine.
3: Oh, and they're gonna would they be playing MLS teams or something?
2: Maybe, or, or one down, maybe. But yeah, I mean, they'll try and fit into their schedule. Yeah.
3: That sounds cool, but it's still, I still got to come to Rex. I mean, it's welcome to Wrexham. Oh, yeah. You got to come to Wrexham, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the day you buy the turf, lock, stock, and barrel and rebuild it in America, it's a sad day for the town of Wrexham.
3: Yeah, no doubt.
2: Tom, thanks very much for for your time. Great to hear from you, as always.
3: Of course. Uh, yeah, I'll catch up. When does the next season start?
2: Uh, next season of the documentary.
3: Of the documentary, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I've, Liam, I think they're, they're looking around about the same time of year, I think, aren't they? Around about the same yeah. format?
3: As far as I
1: know, yeah. I, would, I mean, I'd imagine that they want to encapsulate whatever happens this season. Hopefully this promotion. Season, yeah.
3: I can't yeah. wait to talk about this again when I'm actually on the flip side where I'm like watching the games and then watching the show and it's the show is in the past it's gonna yeah. be yeah it'll be a different vibe
2: no i know totally yeah because you that's how we view it now we have that sort of reflection rather than everything's new to us mm-hmm. and so yeah it's uh it's we see stuff from a different angle now that, yeah i need to get that i've seen it for the first time yeah
3: get that bitter cynicism that you guys have from from watching this game <laughs> just
2: deep it's deep mate it's deep it's killing right
3: <laughs> thanks very much thanks y'all Thank
2: is, thanks very much for Tom for his time there. Um, I think he quite enjoyed that, Liam.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. It's always good to get a bit of a different perspective on it because, like I said, I'm still amazed <laughs> by the fact that um, Americans are actually coming over. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the last one we did with him. It was great. Good, good.
2: Uh, right now, from one, from one mini legend to a proper one, we've got Dennis Smith part two, where he talks about some of the darker times. Uh, during his stint in Wrexham, but you know, thank God we had Dennis for those for those for those bad moments. Here he is. was maybe indicative of what what was maybe happening behind the scenes of the club I mean it's sort of it, it's a sort of segue to that I mean yeah obviously we had some some absolutely great times of promotion season you know everyone thought that team could go on and really have a go in league one and you know in the first season it did but when did you sort of start first start to think there may be something going wrong behind the scenes
4: well yeah, I mean you- it gets little bits. Well, there's financial problems with this. I can't have that. I can't have this. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we're thinking of selling up and we're thinking of, of leaving. And I'm trying to keep all that away from the players. You know, yeah. that's between me and the board. And, you know, the players, I'm trying to make out everything's fine. But when you, you know, we might have trouble paying the salaries this week and that sort of thing, then you've got a problem. Um, yeah. You know, uh, obviously, once, oh, uh, my brain
2: gone, the chairman. So, yeah, Mark, so Price has gone, Mark Gutterman right, has well, come in. Well, it,
4: it was Price. I mean, when Mark Gutterman came in and the other fella, then we yeah, started. Yeah, don't say to, his name. <laughs> yeah. We, we started to see, I saw, you know, but, but, but between them and Price,
0: had
2: been um yeah
4: was oh.
2: there was a, a few people had come in a lad from Lincoln had come in as 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 chief exec there was another person trying to buy it from Shrewsbury Oh, uh, it was uh, I think I've got the the timeline right here it, this this period is is not one that we remember fondly as representatives no, of what was. I was going through a
4: lot. I I was having more interviews with people trying to buy the club and telling me what they were going to do. And, yeah, I had people from London coming up and and they were crooks. You you sit down and have lunch and, you know, know, basically they want to knock the ground down and build on the ground. They wanted the ground. The ground was the price that everybody was after. So the majority of people at that time who were coming in and uh, I was talking to them, they were... They were crooks. That's the only way to describe them. And uh, when the other people did get it, then, uh, yeah, to say I had any disagreements with Mr Hamilton and that was, I got sacked at every board meeting.
2: (laughs) I mean, Kevin Russell uh, said that there was no one better in football suited to deal with the problems than you, but... I mean, they must have been getting you down, though, just because it's hard to shoulder all this on your own if you're trying to keep it away from, from the players.
4: Well, at board level, there were the two Daves who were supporting me. That was a good mm-hmm. thing. that they, they they were helping. Um, and in the end, myself and the two Daves were the ones who put it into administration to get it away from them um, because they them two were still on the board. Uh, yeah. And that it was... Yeah, it was difficult times. They were trying to destroy the club and the club was too much. I was in a fortunate position to a level that financially I've been in the game a long time. So I was all right. I've got a supportive wife who's, who will put up with those sort of things. And I said, yeah, we're not having a club of this standing going go the under under my watch. So I was determined to... To have a go at it, and uh, you know, the, we got those out. Got the administrators in, but the administrators every time they came in, yeah, you know, they come in t- to do some work, and it was like I don't know five grand a time just to come into yeah. the office. And uh, I'm going, yeah. well, just let, let me run it, <laughs> you know. Then we can I mean- we can we can get by, you know. And f- fortunately, after a bit, they did give me a lot more freedom to to help. But, you know, again, the council were, were good. You know, we've got to accept that this is a major part of the structure of North Wales. You Wrexham know, Football Club is is massive to North Wales. So, you know, you've got local councillors, MPs who were also interested. So it was a political thing as well as uh, just football. But i I. I didn't want those people getting away with what they, they did. So fortunately, when it was in administration, yeah, was it difficult? We've, we've got a record, another record, the only club ever to win
2: anything in, in administration. Yeah, we're going to come on to that. Don't worry, <laughs> we're, we're going to end this on a high, Dennis. I mean, one thing I would <laughs> like to say is a heartfelt thanks from from all Wrexham fans for your efforts you know just you the two Daves the the people who really kept this club going and you you being able to do that keeping the club alive is allowing us to be where we are now but you know we don't say thanks enough and Dennis oh, thanks I you mean for that. to
4: be honest I could have taken the blackpool the blackpool job were in the championship at that time they came into me and the administrators told me to go yeah. I, I said no and to be honest the bloke who was running Blackpool then was possibly the sort <laughs> of
2: person I didn't wouldn't
4: I'd had enough with the two well just got rid of
2: I mean that would have been out of the frying pan into the fire with the oast- yeah. oastom, but,
4: yeah, I did get the offer of the
2: job at Blackpool in the championship so uh, we and, just sort of think it, think back to one one part of it I mean where it sort of really hit home for me was when the fact the wages weren't paid um were you told about that in advance or was it like a shock to you where, where people were coming back saying, I've not been paid this week?
4: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I was at all the board meetings and everything. I knew what was going on and who was providing. and But, you know, it would be my job to tell the players and you know, try and say, look, there is a way around this and whatever way. I... I was that barrier between the players I wanted to carry on doing the job. My job was in between to to be the one who went and said, "Look, this is what's happening. this is how we're dealing with it. You know you carry on doing your job, I'll make sure that's done for you so uh, yeah, it's difficult for players, but fortunately, I think the players believed in me and believed though you know if I told them something it would it would happen, and they, they did get paid eventually. Yeah. yeah, but it, it it was a difficult time, and I, I but you've got a job to do, and I I brought some, a lot of those players into the club as well, so I've got a responsibility to a certain extent for for, for those players. Uh, yeah, it's called. Morals. I don't know if it's supposed people supposed to have that, and people believe that people have it within football. But there is a lot of people with morals within football, contrary to popular belief.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mentioned at the start of this that that one word that when when we mentioned this sort of period and we mentioned you and how you dealt with it. A lot of people say the word dignity, and you did have a lot of dignity helping us through through this, really. But. But on the flip side to that, I mean, reading your autobiography, you described it as the most harrowing, distressing time of your life in football. So, you know, it's it must have been hard for you to sort of carry that. Well, yeah, I had that... a
4: great time in football. I definitely hadn't been, sorry, I definitely hadn't no, been no. through anything like that before. Yeah, I mean, it did, most of it had been enjoyable. But it, what the other bits that I'd had within football enabled me to do what I did because... To see a football club ripped apart is, is wrong. You know, they, they are such a part of the local community. It's not just fans. They, they, there's a lot more threads to it that go go through. And uh, fortunately, I was in a position to be able to to try and turn that situation around, which we have now, and everything's looking rosy. It's taken a long time. but Things are starting to look... As
2: I would like
4: them to be. Yeah, it's of I
2: mean, a bit dour, this, isn't it? Yeah, no, you know what, Dennis? <laughs> Come on, let's liven this up a little bit. We do a little thing in our podcast. It's called the Fearless Moment, and it's just it's a it's a time in your career at Wrexham that filled you with the most passion that made you sort of feel yeah, great. That's you know that's something I remember for the rest of my life. Is there one more sort of moment that you really sort of think? That sums up my spell at Wrexham.
4: Darren Ferguson scoring the in the in the final, uh, Dave Bennett ju- jumping for joy with with the trophy around ra- the pitch in front of all the fans, winning that trophy in the situation we were in at that time. Yeah, it, it's a, it was a fantastic achievement. How can you ever forget that? There was twenty. 3,000 was it there, Wrexham fans that day. Yeah. yeah. So that is, you know, I can go, you know, the promotion was enjoyable, you know, and I got manager of the, that division of the year for that. But winning that trophy while in administration and giving pleasure to all those fans who went down, yeah, that would be the highlight.
2: I think I think Liam wants to talk to you a little bit more about the LDV band. What else? It's something, no, it's it's because that's something that that we really we really treasure.
1: Yeah, was that um, going to the LDV tournament? Was that something that you'd identified early on as your competition that you were aiming to win? Um, what's the point again
4: in any competition if you don't want to win it? I don't believe in going into competitions and not wanting to win. My my object is if we're entering, then our job is to win it or try to win it. So yeah, we we obviously got a better chance with that than the FA Cup and the League Cup, but I wanted to win those if I could. And we won the Welsh Cup a few times while I was there, you know, and why not? It's a trophy to be won. Winning is a lovely feeling. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a, a great pleasure in winning that. And obviously, in, under the circumstances as well, it was even better. I've got that on the wall up there. Can you see that one in, in the background? Oh, look. I'll, I'll take you over. <laughs> Turn you around. There we go. Ah, oh,
1: that was a memorable
2: one. <laughs> yeah, no, was that's the, the iconic show? one. That was the yeah. front page of the Daily, the Daily Post pull-out, that.
4: Remember yeah. that? There you go. The English <laughs> shirt. The English shirt, sir.
1: <laughs> we, had, um, we had Andy Holt on this podcast fairly recently, and he told us that he was terrified that he was going to, uh, to get dropped before the, before the final because he'd called you Darth Vader in a national newspaper. <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed it. Uh, Andy Holt. It was Andy Holt said he was terrified he was going to miss the game. <laughs> he, he must. He, they'd done a pull out, I think, and he was asked to describe everyone, and there were all these great pictures. And when it came to you, he'd said Darth Vader, and he was terrified <laughs> you were going to drop him.
4: <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, I think to survive within football without a sense of humour, you're going to struggle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a, a sense of humour is vital. Yeah, if you uh, if, if you want to en, en, enjoy football because you you've got to enjoy doing something that a lot of people would love to do and to get paid for it
1: is, is absolutely brilliant I'm just going into taking us into the dressing room on that day what was, what was the preparation like how do you prepare for a big occasion like that without letting it you know get carried away with it
4: Well, again, you sit down and you talk to them and you chat to them and you relax them as much as you can, saying, Luke, just think what you've achieved, just think what you've given, not only for yourselves, for your future, your family, but all these people. You've achieved that for them. Go out there and enjoy it. The the lads are wanted, with what they'd gone through, to have a chance of going and playing the final. With that sort of crowd, uh, don't spoil it by not enjoying it. You know, you're telling them, please, this is it. Go, this is what we've been working to, to, for all season. Go and enjoy it. And, yeah, once we got out there and the fans were there, it was, it was difficult to see us getting beat, wasn't it, if you were there?
1: Yeah, yeah. We lost um, Steve Roberts quite early on in that game. Yeah. Um, bringing Sean Pedjikon, who I think in some quarters of the fan base, you know, taking a few pelters, but how good was he during that game? He was absolutely superb. Pe- Pedge
4: was one of those, they hadn't got any option. Uh, so what you do, you then break the game down basic for him. Pedge was big, strong, and quick. On the ball, to say, it was not particularly good as an understatement. So you get it, Pedge, and you either boot it in that corner or you pass it to Darren, who will be about five yards ago. Even you can do that. You know, so you break his game down again, but his defensive side, it, it was big and strong and quick. It got Welsh under 23, but on the ball, it possibly wasn't you know, as as good to say the least. But uh, yeah, yeah. The lad did a job, and yeah, yeah, Robbo was really good on the ball. So you'd gone from one to the other, and but they you, they could work. Dennis was a good talker. You, know, you you need people to help one another, and yeah, I thought we came through reasonably comfortably. That was I fancied us all along because I knew the spirit within within the side.
1: Talking about another sort of key part of that defensive unit, you look at some of the saves Ben Foster made. I seem to think there was a, maybe a Fred Eastwood free kick who made a really good save, but probably countless, many of us as well. Did you sort of know how, how far he could go in football? Uh, well, it, that
4: took him a long way, that game. But I mean, I got Ben from Stoke and... I'd never heard of him, so I'd spoken to people at said, yeah, it's worth having a look at. I said, well, can you come over for a, a day's trial? So we came over for a day's trial. They, they had one more, one morning session, and I phoned them back up and gone, do you want to keep this kid? I'll take him off your hands if you want. We said, no, just you can have him for the season, but that's it. And the kid from the off looked good. I mean, uh Alex Ferguson was there because Darren was playing for the final. So we'd seen him. But Alex had spoken to me about Ben before. And obviously, Darren had told his dad about him. And I, I knew, I mean, Ben came to me at the do after, after going, well, I be able to come back next season? I said, I don't think he's going to be here, son. I think he's going somewhere else. <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to tell him where he was going, but I, I'd got a good idea where he was going. But uh, yeah, he's a great lad that I'm delighted he's done as well as he has.
2: Yeah. So Dennis, I just, we just want to sort of go through, well, unfortunately the end Um, and then we do a quick fire sort of thing, a quick fire sort of section at the end. So, you know, we've got through the administration. I know they got relegated that season, obviously first club to ever get a 10 point deduction, which didn't help because I actually think that that, that side was good enough to stay up. Definitely was. It, for me, it was a yeah, top-half sure. side. Um, and then we come out the other side and and Jeff Moss has taken over. Um, I think that was the right timeline, isn't it? So we come out of administration, yeah. Jeff Moss takes over the club due to the his links with uh, his lad being at the academy. Now, fans were overjoyed when Jeff Jeff Moss came in because he wasn't guttleman and, and, and Hamilton. Yes that didn't always stay like that. But at, at that time, uh, there was a lot, that, you know, they thought he's a rich man. He's obviously loves football. He's probably not into the ground, but that that didn't really happen. I mean what, what did you think at that time? Did you think we're out in the woods or did you were you still a little bit well, wary?
4: No, I mean I knew Jeff then I got to know him and he wanted to do the right thing but they then started to realise how much that would cost. And, you know, he was a successful businessman, but not that sort of amount. He was a big Liverpool fan. And, you know, he is, uh, you know, he, he would come down the training ground and I think he thought he was... It, the problem with with certain people who become directors, they also want to be managers and things like that, because they... Everybody can do a manager's job better than they can. Yeah, you, you start as a manager knowing that everybody. And I wouldn't say he interfered, but he, he would come down and talk as, as though he wanted to have an input into what was going on. And uh, there's limits to. As you might have noticed, I might be an awkward sort at times. <laughs> so, Jeff. Uh, yeah, but I got on all right with Jeff. Uh, but I. It was never really going to to work because I don't think they got the finances to make it work.
2: Yeah, I was going to go, I was going to say about that because, you know, again, you know, you've, you this is, I think this is just what it's like to be a low level manager, isn't it? You know, when you lose people, you have to, you have to go again the next, the next season. So I think that season you'd brought in Lee McEverly, like so Josh Johnson and I think John Walters as well. Do you, did you, do you think they, they were gambles? I mean, John Walters obviously went on to have a brilliant career, but it wasn't <laughs> uh, at that level John's then. John's still going. <laughs> yeah.
4: John's just got a job at Stoke on the coaching stuff, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, John Walters did a great job for me, but I think I did a good job for his career as well when it needed yeah. it. Lee McCavley should have been better. Again, you know, he was one of those with ability, but didn't play to his ability never never achieved what he should have done. And, you know, I, it was my signing. And, you know, it, I was disappointed that I feel as though he let me down, in a way, because he didn't achieve mm. what I knew was in him. So you always look at yourself as thinking, why couldn't I get it out of him? But, you know, but, uh, uh, John Walters, what a great pro. Yeah, you
2: know, I can remember his first game. Was, the, the finish he had was Shearer esque, and I, and, I, and I thought there's a really good player here. But then you turn around at the end of the season, he's played 40 old goal uh, games, and he's already got he's only got eight goals. You know, it's yep. just
4: and that's why they didn't like him. And I would said, but we've got to keep working with him because his attitude was magnificent. But mm. it, it, call him jigsaw, fall of, fall of pieces when he got in the box.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> you know, um, but he got better on that because he worked at it. His attitude was spot on. So gradually he got better and better and started scoring the goals for us. And then he started... Once he got somebody who believed in him, because of his work rate, I give it, he started to score goals because he could do it in training. So, you know, he, he's got it in him.
2: But he, yeah.
4: The pressure. And, you know, it'd be something in his mind from... Well, I'm trying to remember where I got him from. But yeah. You how know, oh, I that, think. Yeah. It, it, that he hadn't been doing it. So people would be saying, you're not doing this, you And i just keep encouraging to get in there. Because if you keep getting in there and you know so it's different
0: yeah.
4: players come across different managers at different times. and I think from John's point of view, and I think it's I think I would, a good person to come across at the right time for him. And he's taken it on with, with his benefits and everything else and done brilliantly for himself. So I'm delighted with, you know, you feel as though you've had a positive effect on somebody's career. And I feel as though I did with the way that I worked with him and stuck with him at Wrexham.
2: I mean, what, you sort of touched on this, but do you think that that, that Jeff Moss maybe had some unrealistic expectations of, of what what could be done with, with, with that squad and, you know, where where that squad could be. Because I can remember the pressure was, was growing on you and I think it was round about January time. Um, I remember going away to Derby and losing there and there's a few other losses. Did you sort of see the writing on the wall there or did it become a... Was it a shock for you? Oh,
4: no. yeah I mean, if, you, if you're losing as a manager, you're going to get the sack. Yeah, right. but... You know, and they brought me in and, you know, they they had a chat about it. And, you know, I said, Well, who's going to take over? And they've gone, Joey. I said, Well, Joey won't do it. I said, Joey won't be a a manager. And then I'm trying to remember, they come up with another one. I said, Well, he won't do it. And then they've gone, Brian. I'm going, Well, I don't think. I said, Yeah, you've got Darren with coaching, but if you. Got Darren the manager job. You're going to lose his ability on the pitch. And Rooster, and I said those are the people you've got with the qualifications. And the only other one was Brian, and I didn't think Brian was cut out for it. But they, you know, so I, I tried to help them. I sat down and talked to them. I said, look, you know, this this is. You, you need this, you need that. And, but, and I carried on when I left. I, Brian was phoning me every week, talking to me and I was still chatting to him and trying to help him, help him along.
2: Uh, so, Dennis, this sounds nuts. This stands. if you're there as the advisor, why aren't you the manager? I can't, I can't understand this. I mean, Kevin Russell said that the club would not have gone down I mean, I know it went down the season after or, or two seasons after. Well, that,
4: that season, I knew people at the FA because they had told me we weren't going down because, uh, yeah, who's the team got relegated because what they were doing
2: yeah. up on the
4: coast. Yeah.
2: Boston, oh, I, can't, I can't remember. Boston, now. Yeah. Boston, yeah. Boston.
4: Something was, I knew while I was there because I knew people at the FA and everything else that. Boston were in trouble. So I knew we weren't going down anyway. But you tell the people that they... Never mind. That's another yeah. story. Yeah, uh, Unfortunately, I do have quite a few connections throughout the game at different levels. Mm. And I knew that would happen. But I tried to, to help Brian. And as I say, I to help him, Brian, talking to him and helping him. But uh, no. Brian wasn't cut out for management. I mean... Darren was, but Darren yeah. was not the right person for that club at that time.
2: Hmm. Emma, I was going to. I was going to ask you. Do you was did it surprise you that they chose Brian over Darren? Do you think they know that Darren probably couldn't have worked within? I mean, there's some serious. You know, there's budget constraints there, isn't there? There's
4: that's know, an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There wasn't want a budget,
2: right? So, so you know, so, it's hard for. Yeah. It's hard for a young manager like, like Darren to come in and, and change that. And as you've already said, if you take him off the pitch, that's your creative spark on as well, isn't it? Yeah,
4: yeah. you're you making a big hole in your side by taking Darren out of, of that. Now, he might try to play knowing Daz. He'd possibly try and do both, but no. And he would have got help from his dad. But well, we got help from his dad anyway whenever we could. Now, yeah. Um that there is limits to what people can do um, but it, it was a difficult time I told them you know, I didn't agree with the, the decision but that's what they want to do that's what they want to do and I think they, they were new to the job so they got to show that they were proactive doing something mm, uh, yeah. was it a good decision I would say no but that's no. only my opinion
2: I, I don't think any too many people would, would disagree with you, to be honest, Dennis. I mean, if you sort of sort of think about it through the tale of two owners, now you managed Wrexham through probably the worst owners in our history. And now we're hoping that we've got the best owners in our history. How do you sort of view what's going on there now?
4: I'm loving it. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, you look at that and you go, Yeah, that's a proper football club. I've always, yeah, people have all, anybody who's ever asked me about Wrexham throughout, it's a proper football club. And the reason I say that is because it's part of the community and football clubs should be part of the community. Now you've got people who are getting not only the local community on on board, but around the world. You know, people are reading about Wrexham football club around the world through the people that are in charge. It's fabulous what's happening. I hope they can keep it going. We're second in the league at the moment. I don't want that happening again. (laughs) Uh, We need promotion. And if we get promotion, I I would expect another one, at least within the next couple of years. There's no doubt that the club is big enough to get to the Championship. And I would love that to happen, you know, because, it, again, we're back to what, what it means to the community, the, the fans, the, the feel. And, you know, you go to the club how it's sold out every own match and, you know, there's goals going in and everybody's enjoying themselves. Uh, I want to see less goals going in against, carry on <laughs> scoring, get promoted, and and then let's see where we go put it it's uh you know Rexon gave me a nice end to to the last you know, the last five years of management and you know, I, I was delighted to be part of a, of a club which I've got feelings for because because the people again I thought the people were great
2: yeah yeah and I think that's you know, that's replicating how we feel about you. I mean, um, we tell, we end on a quick fire sort of question. So I'm just going to chuck a couple out here. Uh, uh, out, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to chuck a couple out at you. And it's just whoever, whoever comes into your mind for, for this sort of uh, section. So during your time at Wrexham, who is the most skillful? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, that's got to be Darren. Darren, Darren. Ferguson. Darren, skill-wise, could see things and touch. His first touch was super. Yeah, I mean, you could you could go know yeah, Carlos, but yeah, Darren mentally was all round was was sound. I, I, I like what goes on between people's ears.
2: Yeah. Um, who was the worst dressed?
4: <laughs> yeah, that have to be Rooster.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Rooster said you. Well, okay. Yeah, he possibly did. <laughs> um, right. Who was the biggest moaner? That'd be Darren. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a depending on who we interview. The answer is always Darren Ferguson or a lad called Neil Ashton. They, they've won this by by an absolute miles. Of miles.
4: Does when it comes to moaning as top quality.
2: Who was the most underrated?
4: Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Uh, let me think. Jim Whitley.
2: Yeah, yeah. Equally good in a number of positions, wasn't he? Yeah. Also yeah, sings, could, dances, paints. Yeah, Does everything.
4: Got little bits of everything, Jim. No matter where you put him, you got performance. But um, never really got people off the seats. So people forget um, him.
2: Yeah. Um, who was the hardest and player to manage? You can be slightly tongue-in-cheek on
4: this. Uh, would that be Tron's? No.
2: It's
4: got to be extra...
2: Yeah, I thought you might go him after what you said earlier. Um, who didn't go as far as you thought they would?
4: No, there will be. I'm just going through and trying to remember.
2: I think Mark Jones has always won that game. That well,
4: I mean, Mark, yeah, I always said Mark would play for the Welsh first team so it got to under 21 level while they was there and possibly yeah if you look at it that way possibly Mark Jones should have done gone to full international with his Um, ability
2: You're pretty you're a very popular answer to the next one but which person at Wrexham staff or players wouldn't you want to fight?
4: (laughs) I don't have any problems with fighting people. <laughs> Joey, maybe. Joey was a pussy cat. <laughs>
2: yeah, a lot of people have said I never wanted to fight Dennis Smith. So you, you, you're in an answer to that.
4: Uh, I was going to say uh, that it, if there's a fight to be had, I usually was up for it if necessary.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you were, Dennis. That's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely love talking to you. As I said, you know, thank you as Wrexham fans overall for, for, for the help you gave us when the club really needed it. Personally, um, when I was a young journalist, I know we no, didn't always get on, but, you know, you, you taught me a lot. And I'm always appreciative of, of, of that. And I've, hopefully I got better because, because, you know, you helped me. And so, you know, thank you very much for that. And, you know, great to have you on.
4: Well, it's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. hope it goes out well and I just hope to see Wrexham back in the league next season.
2: Yeah, we all do and we've got a good chance. And we'll do it with the old Dennis Smith 3-5-2, I think.
4: Whichever way you want to do it, it doesn't matter as long as (laughs) they do it. The way they're scoring at the moment, just tighten the back up a little bit and we'll be all right.
0: Thanks again to Dennis Smith for his time. Um, you know, such a such a legend of, of Wrexham. I think everyone. Lots of comments coming in after last week's episode. People saying he was, you know, obviously badly treated at the, at the end, as we all know. Uh, but great to hear from him, wasn't it, Andy?
2: I I would never put. I'm not I'm not one of those people who wants to like tag in our owners and stuff. But when this comes out, I'm going to tag them in because the, when he's talking about saving that club I think it's important to know what these people did at that time and also important to know how badly off we were and you know they, they probably won't listen to it fair enough but I, I just think it's one of those things where you wouldn't mind Ryan and Rob really listening how much the likes of Dennis and the two Daves really did when our club was really in the hour of need and it's just you can enjoy what's happening now more knowing that's where we were Um so you know Thanks for Dennis for his time. And yeah, you're right. He was hard done too. And I don't think we'd be in this position if we did sack him at that time. But them's the breaks.
0: Yes, indeed. Anyway, it's prediction times. Andy, do you want to lead us through them?
2: Yeah, so we've got two games. Um, we've got Maidenhead uh, in the league. And then we have got. We have got Oldham in the cup, which looks quite interesting. I saw Oldham yesterday a little bit on the telly and they didn't look any great shake. So I'm going to go first. I think we're going to... We, we, we cannot beat Maidenhead I just looking back at some of the results. I don't think we've beaten them since 2019. Um, they are our bogey team. So I'm going to say we're going to break that, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be 2-1. I think Oldham, we've got a bit more of a chance to, uh, to, to put a few at home. Um, I think the... The pressure will be off a little bit because it's a cup and I'm going to go for a 3-0 victory there. Liam?
1: Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win against Mainhead. Um, the game I think's going to be trickier, I don't know why, is Oldham. Um, I mean, they're doing poorly, but they, they get decent support and oh, I'm going to go for an upset 2-1 to Oldham. There we go, I've said it. Wow. Uh, Tim? Two 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 nils. Okay,
0: finally. I'm inclined to agree with Liam. Um, I think we should be made, Ned. We're on a roll at the moment, playing well. I'm going to say three one. Uh, Oldham. I don't think we'll lose it, but yeah, they'll be coming here. I often think that for teams, you know, lower half struggling, FA Cup can sometimes be a bit of a chance to reset. Blow you know, just just pressures off as well for them to just go for it. So maybe. Come and make it a bit harder for us, you know. We're not sure of goals, so I'm going to say two all, and it'll take us to a replay. Fair enough. Well, there we go. We, we will actually find out the results of that next week because Andy's going to write it down. Um, oh. we'll bring those to you. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you once again, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it, and bye bye. Goodbye. See you.